it's so critical that wherever you're at in your business journey, whether you want to start a business, grow a business, wherever you're at, try and learn from other people that have already done it. Like try and understand what their life looks like, what it is they're doing, what's working for them. And I think that is so critical. Like everything that you want to do in life has probably been done most likely by somebody else. And it's your job to go out and find them and learn from them and to speak to them if you can or to study them and to model them and to get their insights, experiences, lessons learned. And I think that's the best way to get started or to make a change wherever you are in your life. It's just to learn from other people that have already done it. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. I will live every day as if it were a microphone tucked under my tongue. It's great to get in the game, but don't get in the game until you understand the rules till you're an insider. Your life changes when you begin having a different conversation in your head. What we need to do in radically deep problems is propose radically visionary solutions. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Greetings, everyone. My name is Julie Masters and welcome to another episode of Inside Influence, in which I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers or experts in influence to get to the bottom of what it really takes to own your voice and then amplify it to drive an industry, a conversation, a movement or a nation. Now, here's today's question. If I asked you to create your own MBA, an MBA specifically tailored to you, your life, your goals, challenges and questions, what would be in it? What would the modules be? And here's the next question. Who would teach those modules? If you could choose anyone, anyone on the planet, who would you want to learn from and what questions would you want to ask them? Now here's the final question. Once you had all of those answers, what would you do next? Now for my guest today, his journey into those questions began one morning alone on a very silent train, traveling to a job that he disliked as part of a life in which, to use his own words, he hadn't really achieved a lot. The answers to those questions, however, led him from that train, from that silent carriage, to creating one of the most successful digital magazines on the planet an empire that has so far helped millions of entrepreneurs across the world to have the life, impact, and businesses of their dreams. What he learned along the way? Well, that was an MBA that money couldn't buy. Nathan Chan is the founder of Founder, a magazine he launched back in 2013 with nothing but a laptop and a fistful of dollars. Driven as he was at the time by just a sheer frustration about the lack of quality actionable content for entrepreneurs and founders. Fast forward to now and Founder connects millions, and I'm talking millions of people every single month with some of the most successful living entrepreneurs of our generation. Magazine covers and interviews include Richard Branson, which was his first cover, by the way, Tony Robbins, Ariana Huffington, Mark Cuban, Tim Ferriss, Peter Diamandis, Bobby Brown, and many, many, many more. Now, that is a long way from a silent train carriage. Nathan's mission and the mission that continues to be at the heart of Founder is to break down the strategies and experiences of the most successful entrepreneurs on the planet into actionable, battle-tested content and courses so that anyone 
can make the impact that they want on the world. Now, in this conversation, and by the way, I had been trying to interview Nathan for, I think it was six months, six to 12 months until we managed to get all the stars to align for this conversation. And align they did. And in it, we went deep into why we are all founders, founders of our ideas, our teams, our businesses, or our movements, and how the decision to create his own MBA opened the door to everything that came next in his life. The importance of getting the right people on the bus of a rapidly growing business or team and how to stay stoic in those moments when inevitably it doesn't work out. An idea that he's currently playing with right now and I also I haven't been able to get this particular idea out of my head since. How you can literally build a wait list, a wait list of people who want to work with you. Now that's a total flip on the idea of recruitment being a hard uphill process or the war for talent that you know we hear so much at the moment. How founder went from zero to nearly a million engaged Instagram followers in the blink of an eye. Now, funnily enough, that was how I first came across Nathan and Founder, by watching what was happening and the traction that he was getting on Instagram and using it literally as a case study to the organizations, the CEOs, the people that I work with on how you can nail engagement online. Plus what he did when he first started out to, and again, use quotation marks here, battle test the crap out of it. Finally, his recent journey into burnout and what he's done and continues to do since to reconnect and recommit to fueling his fire first. Now, this podcast began and has always been my attempt to scratch my own itch, to answer the questions that I want answers to, to to talk to the people in the world that I believe have battle-tested the areas where I want more mastery. And I think often when it comes to building our own influence or making an impact, We spend way too long, I hear people spending way too long trying to second guess what other people want to hear, what their target market want to hear, instead of scratching their own itch first. You know, what questions do you have? Where does your curiosity naturally lead you? What's the through line? What do you find yourself coming back to over and over again? Where have all your life experiences led you? What quest for answers, love that word quest, would keep you energized, focused and committed for years to come, even when it's hard and even when the results aren't immediately apparent and believe me, they are never immediately apparent. And you find that, find the answers to those questions and that's an MBA worth pursuing. Now, if you're looking to take your own journey into influence to the next level right now, don't forget. Hop on my website or the show notes and download the brand new version of my ebook, The Influencer Code. It's been out for about six months now. I don't know if I still get to say the word new, but it still feels new to me. It covers the seven areas and the seven core questions that I have found hands down to be the most useful when it comes to rapidly increasing your own levels of influence. And these are the questions that I use not only in my own life, but with the people that I work with. Just pop in your email address and it will be in your inbox in the time it takes to pour a cup of tea. My newsletter, Influence Insider, also gives one bite-sized tool, strategy, or mindset shift per week. I love writing this. All on the topic of building a more influential life. Once again, hop onto my website, juliemusters.com, to become an insider. Also, if you are a long-time or new listener to the podcast, I would love 
you to take just a few moments to leave a review on your favorite listening platform. I don't usually ask, I very infrequently ask, but it does make a massive difference to our rankings and therefore the amount of people that we're able to reach. That's just how the algorithms work. Plus, I get to hear your voice and what you're loving. So, you know, that's a double whammy for me. However, for now, lean in, stride out, drive safe, and enjoy the unassuming genius of the amazing Nathan Chan. Welcome to the podcast, Nathan Chan. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. It's a pleasure to be here. I was before we before we went on air. I was just saying that I feel like I've talked about you for years before I've actually had the chance to talk to you, and and it's so nice to actually interview someone in Australia where I don't have to get up at four a.m. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. that's good, My whole family, thanks you for that. <laughs> so glad we finally got there. We did, we did. We've been trying to make this work for a while with both of our schedules. Um, so let's just kick off with the first question that I would usually ask, which is, is there one idea that's been having a lot of influence on your thinking recently? It can be old, timeless, new, but what's what's kind of captured your thoughts? Yeah, look, for me, um, something I've been thinking about a lot uh, is people. People in the business, uh, people within founder, people within our organisation, uh, it's it's quite a simple concept, but something that is often forgot is businesses are built by people. And it's your job as a CEO of a company and, and the leader to have the right people on the bus and to motivate, to inspire and to lead and really make sure you've got the right people on the bus. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up with the latest hack or tactic or put more people down the funnel or change the funnel and do this with the funnel or you know this PR thing or this thing. But at the end of the day, um, if your business isn't where you want it to be or it's not growing at the speed that you would like, uh, the first place you need to look is, is first of all your senior leadership team or and or depending on the size of your business is the people that are on the bus and uh, are, they, are they motivated? Are they equipped? Do they have the skills and capability? Uh, do they... It, are they living the values that are important to the company? All, all these different things. So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, uh, especially especially uh, with everything going on around the world. Mm. And just thinking about that idea you're talking about, you know, we hear that a lot, getting the right people on the bus, which sounds really simple. You know, you've got a bus, you pick the right people, you invite them on the bus, they get, they get on the bus, but it's the hardest part yeah. of building any organization, building any vision is getting those right people on the bus and then um, rearranging the bus when the route changes. How much of a role does your gut instinct play with that? Are you usually right and do you listen to it? Yeah, so I listen to my gut a lot. Uh, it's usually right, but not always. You know what? It's not always right. It's something I've realized over time, uh, maybe even more so recently. Um, yeah, it's not always right. As you said, your gut isn't always right. Do you, are there other people you bring into these decisions now or do you kind of just? Yeah, look, I definitely have to bring in other people in, into the decisions. Um, and like, you know, I've made some calls on like people that were brought on the bus that haven't been right. And, uh, you know, we like that's, that's just, this is what happens in business, right? Like, and uh, yeah, so for me now, um, I can't just go off on gut. 
I have to, uh, you know, trust, trust my, my senior leaders uh, around me. Um, in fact, a lot of the times now I'm not even, when we talk about right people on the bus, a lot of the times I'm not doing like every single hire like I used to, right? Like it used to be me for every single hire. Um, now I just back our leaders and, yeah, sometimes I get involved, sometimes I don't. But, yeah, look, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's a uh, hiring is not easy. Uh, and one thing I think about now when we talk about people, I'm thinking, like, how can we build a business at Founder where we have a talent wait list? Oh, I love that question. We're not going out to, you know, seek here in Australia or indeed in the US and, like, how can we how can we have such an awesome brand and I guess professional brand where founder is a place that people want to work and there and there's a wait list like people are waiting for all these different roles because the most successful businesses like you know I'm not sure where you where, where you're dialing in from Julie but like you think of Atlassian right incredible company people are waiting to work there or Canva right people are waiting to work there. Um, that they just got so like they put out a job ad for a role or they don't need to they probably just put it on their website and it just goes out probably to tens of thousands of people or thousands of people or hundreds of people for certain roles and uh, yeah that's the kind of organization I want to build like a company yeah, yeah where, where we have a wait list I just love the question what would it take for us to have a wait list of people wanting to work for our organization like the question itself is enough just to get get your thoughts going, get your mind going. I, I want to go. I want to go back to the beginnings of Founder, because this this is a period of your life that has always kind of really intrigued me. And I know there was a couple of, of beginning points. I know that one of the beginnings was you reading Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, where some se- some seeds were planted at that point. What what was it about that book that set you at least partially on this path? Yeah. So. I, uh, up until found, I never really achieved much, to be honest with you, Julie. Um, I never got good grades in school. I kind of just scraped by through university. I failed heaps of my subjects. Even the degree that I got into, like, I kind of just got in on a second round. And it wasn't even the one that I really wanted to do. Um, so I never really achieved much academically or even professionally from a sport perspective. So... Um, I was a little bit lost, you could say, and I started to hear stories of people, friends of friends, is like, you know, 10 years ago, friends of friends, where they were starting these online businesses or starting a business with no skills, no experience whatsoever. And they're doing these crazy things, like incredible things. And um, I never forget one of my friends, he, he, he said, oh, have you read the four hour work week? This is somebody that I met at a, at a company that I was working at. And he's like, oh, it's so good. Like we met somebody and and they told us around how they were kind of like a, a digital nomad and just kind of cruising around with an online business and selling a product or a service, all sorts of things. And it was quite foreign, right? And um, that really piqued my curiosity. So I read that book and I was like, oh, wow, there's this there's this world, whole new world, where there's people that are creating these online businesses, doing incredible things, uh, with, with with no prior experience whatsoever, and that's kind of how Founder was born. I I was really curious, and I started this magazine effectively as a as an investigative journalist to go out and find 
people that are doing all sorts of crazy things, building online businesses. And what I what I realized was these these insights, these experiences, these lessons learned, I needed to share them with the world. And that's kind of the whole premise of the brand and how it all started. And it's just insane. Like, you know, almost we're closing in towards 10 years, like the amount of lives that we've impacted and like our successful students that have gone through our online programs and like all the change and that ripple effect that has happened. And so, yeah, that book was back in the day, that was a real game changer for a lot of people. It was a game changer for me too. And you also said there was a moment on a train going to work. I remember hearing you talk about you looked around the train and had another, you know, another realization that led you on the path that you're on now. There was a couple of moments um, when I think back around kind of my journey. Uh, I remember one time I was walking to work and I was walking down to walk into the train station and walking down this hill to, to go into the train station. I remember thinking to myself, I know I can be and do so much more. I, I, I just had this feeling inside of me. And I know people watching this might be feeling the same thing too. And I'm here to tell you that you can make a change. Like, you know, the starting a business, growing a business, building an online business, creating a change in your life where you're, you're doing work that you're passionate about, it is very, very possible. And it's not, it doesn't matter where you're from, your skill, prior skills and experience, even your education previously. Like there's places like Founder where we'll equip you with everything that you need to help you on the journey. And for me, I just felt that I could be and do so much more. And so that was one moment. And then there was another moment where I was catching the train to work. I was working at an accounting firm and it was like 7 a.m. in the morning and you're on the carriage and it's just quiet, like just still. No one's talking, everyone's got their headphones in or just, you know, on their phones. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, like, I don't know how many of these people that are on this train right now are really passionate about what they're doing. Like if they really want to be doing what they're doing. And I think, and it's it's happening more and more, this movement of career changes, right? Like I'm a big fan of just life is too short to not do work that you don't enjoy. And, um, yeah, that was another catalyst for me or just a, a snapshot in time. It's like, you know, when you want to create real change in your life or you want to, you know, shake things up, it's not just like, bang, it just happens. There's like these little little moments where you have these experiences that kind of shape you. And for me, um, that was another one. Like I just remember thinking to myself, hey, like, why is everyone so quiet? Like this isn't right. And it's funny you say that because I was going to, that was going to be my next question for you. You know, you've got these little moments, these little kind of nudgy moments. Um, and some of us listen to those nudges and some of us wait for, you know, larger shoves to, to move us on the path that we're on to the path where we need to go. But there's a big gap between the nudge and, you know, an incredible multi-million dollar digital platform and education business and magazine. Talk to me what... What spawned the idea of Founder? Like what's, what helped you come up with that? Well, it's like I said, like I started hearing these stories, friends of friends starting these online businesses. And I realized as well that funnily enough, back then, 
10 years ago, podcasts. I thought podcasts were hot back then, 10 years ago. And it's crazy when you fast forward to now because everyone seems to have a podcast, right? But back then I was thinking, oh, podcasts are hot. I started seeing a few interview series, you know. Tim Ferriss didn't even have a podcast out then. And I was just like, hey, like, I think there's a gap in the market here for us to kind of provide really actionable content where sometimes we would interview people that you'd never heard of, but you might know the business or you would know the person and, you know, they've, they've got this incredible story, but like, how did they actually do it? And so I just really kind of doubled down uh, on, I doubled down on like, how can we find people where they can really share their stories on how they are building these businesses? And I shared that through the magazine to begin with. I shared it through the magazine. Didn't even launch with the podcast, the founder podcast at all. It was just all through the magazine. And as well, to be honest with you, Julia, I didn't, I didn't think to myself, wow, I'm going to build this massive platform with tens of millions of people consuming our content every single week. I started small, right? And then over time, I fell in love with the vision and I realized what we're building could be so much bigger and so much bigger than myself. And uh, and I think, yeah, I think when, when people think about coming up with business ideas, you think that something's just going to like, once again, it's just going to be a click and you've just got it all worked out. I didn't have it all worked out. I said to myself in the first 12 months of starting Founder, um, I think there's something here. I think there's a gap. I'm going to give it 12 months. I was still working in my day job and I treated it as a side hobby passion project to begin with. Side hobby passion project. Didn't think it was going to be this big business. Didn't think we'd employ all these people. Didn't think we're going to try and build one of the largest online business schools in the world. None of that. It was just literally... I want to do work that I enjoy. Life is too short and I want to find work that I'm passionate about. I think there's something here with this entrepreneurship stuff. I started hearing these stories. I wanted to salt, scratch my own itch, go out there and find people that are doing like incredible things with building a business, you know, creating a product, creating a service and how are they doing it? And it was actually quite selfish, to be honest. I wanted to find out for myself and then it kind of was like, as I said, like this, the stuff that I was kind of hearing, I had to share those experiences with the world. And that's kind of been the core premise still to this day of what we do with Founder, whether it's through our online courses, whether it's through any of our free content, like how can we get this out to as many people as possible? Because I think that level of information uh, needs to be shared and, and is not often available. Like there's so much noise out there, right? Mm. I'm just thinking that's the perfect way to start something as well. You know, when the without throwing everything in, without, you know, putting your mortgage or your, your rent or your food budget on the line, just starting small, testing, and also getting a feel like, I think that I'm going to love this. How much am I going to love this? Like, and how much is this going to love me back? Because we all know you can love something and it, it might not love you back. Like, it might not grow. It might not build into anything at all. When did you, what was the tipping point for you in terms of, okay, I'm quitting my day job now. This has become something. Yeah, so the tipping point for me, um, so the first day I launched Founder, we made $5.50. We had two subscribers. 
Hey, and, that's good uh, for a first day. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it was. I think it was a great first day. Um, I never forget uh, that first day. I was living with my housemate and uh, his girlfriend at the time, now wife. Um, we it was it was a it was it was it was a nice day and i don't know why we fancied fish and chips so we walked down to the local fish and chip shop and i was like yeah guys like I, I launched this magazine like we had 70 downloads and we had two paid subscribers and uh his wife was laughed and was like ha is that all and i i was really dumbfounded i was like oh i think that i think that's really awesome it's like you said it's just a start like i'm just starting and I guess, you know, springing on from that, uh, as time went on, you know, we made, I think, $80 in the first month. And then and then our subscriber base just kind of grew and compounded. Um, so, and so by the time it hit around 12 months, I realized, hey, I could, I could pay myself a small wage and go all in on this thing. And uh, that's, so that's what I did. Um, there was a couple of key things as well. I made sure that I had six, six months worth of living expenses um, saved up. So that was the really the purpose that that's what happened. So then the purpose of my day job became to save to have a runway, um, if, if anything went bad, or you know, the business wasn't doing well. And then also to just keep reinvesting money into the business to keep, you know, taking it to the next level. Um, it didn't cost that much to start. But yeah, I, I, I had to keep growing it. Um, so the, the catalyst for me to go all in was around 12 months in. Uh, I, I could clearly see that from the subscriber base that it was still growing and that um, my time, if I spent more time uh, building building Founder, that uh, I could eventually really start to build out this vision uh, because um, it took time to want to, to, to build what we wanted to build uh, at first. Yeah, I, um, as I said, it was just a side hobby passion project, but then I realized it could be so much more and the opportunity um, to, to create a, a platform that helps a lot of people at scale is so much larger. And that's what we're trying to do. Tell me, tell me about the Richard Branson cover. Tell me how it came about. Yeah, so when it comes to Richard Branson, uh, he, he's one of the most well-known entrepreneurs in the world and I thought to myself if I can get him on the front cover of founder then and interview him then that 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 would be a certain level of legitimacy and credibility for the brand and what we're trying to build and so I went through a process of actually um, getting in touch with his uh, head of PR and I'll never forget, I tried to call her quite a few times on the phone and, and didn't email. I started with the phone. It's funny. It's easy to just want to email people. It's safer, right? But if you can call someone, it, 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 it says a lot, even in life, right? Like it's so easy to go up and back on texts and or emails or like this digital communication. But like if you can call somebody up, that says something. So, um, I finally caught her and I said, hey, my name's Nathan uh, from Founder. The magazine wasn't even called Founder at the time, actually. It's a whole other story. Uh, but long story short, I was like, she, I was like, oh, you know, is now a good time to chat? She's like, I've got 
one minute or two minutes before I hop on the tube in in London. And uh, I gave him my pitch. I was stumbling and I was like, no way anything's going to come from this. And uh, she said, I tell you what, look, we get, please understand, we get like 10 to 20 requests like this every single day. Um, can you shoot me an email of your what you're thinking? And it might take me a while to get back to you, but I promise I will. And then uh, I sent a really good email, played on the fact that, or, or kind of talked to the fact of what we're building at Founder, the fact that his first business venture was a student magazine, and uh, the rest is kind of history. Uh, they, they agreed to a Q&A email interview and uh, the rest is history. And that was kind of um, how we got Richard Branson on the front cover of the magazine. And also a key thing to take away is I didn't charge for that magazine edition. I made that free strategically because we try, I, I, I want to give our best content away for free. And, and to bring people into the brand to, to hear about what we're doing, to read what we're doing uh, and, and to learn and hopefully provide some goodwill that then in turn people would look to subscribe. And that was kind of um, where we ended up. And that's a really interesting decision just by itself. I didn't know that. That for, for a lot of people, you know, you get Richard Branson on the cover. This is probably your cover that's that's got the most kudos and for some would be the most charge-worthy of editions. But for you, you looked at that and you said, no, this is chance. This is a chance to pull more people into our ecosystem. Let's pull as many people into our ecosystem as possible because we have such incredible content. Did it did it do that? Let's start there. Did it do that? Yeah, it did. It worked. Because if you came across founder, you would see the Richard Branson edition. And we really uh, we really promoted that. And it was like probably one of our best interviews. And yeah, it definitely it definitely worked and it definitely drove a lot of attention for the brand. I think also what's worth noting there is that I heard you say that, that it wasn't just one call. You can't, as you said, you can't send one email or make one call. Like you have to, you have to stay on it if you want to, if you want a door to open for you. Yeah, that's right. So um, I think that's another thing, like when you're starting your business, uh, it, it, it's tough. Uh, it, the, the, the highs are high and the lows are low. Like I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, entrepreneurship is is the best thing ever uh, and it's it's all sunshine and rainbows and like it's, it's the most rewarding journey that you, you'll ever experience. Uh, but it'll probably be one of the most challenging journeys you've ever experienced as well. And that's one of the reasons why like, you know, founder exists to, to kind of help you through uh, all the, you know, the ups and the downs. We produce a lot of interviews. We produce a lot of content. That's why we have our online course platform. We're really trying to help you get those shortcuts where you can learn, you know, step by step, looking over someone's shoulder, how they accomplish this certain thing. And I think, you know, no matter how much, uh, you know, we, we continue to build our course platform and we have tons of successful students and all sorts of things, you, you still will face roadblocks, right? And I think that just that, you know, for me, so like I was, I, I was, I was comfortable with the fact that it might take a while to get in touch with Richard Branson's head of PR. I was comfortable with the fact that uh, I had to keep going. 
Like you just don't know, you just don't know. Um, and they might never respond and that's okay, right? That's, you know, that, that can be the fun of it. It's so interesting to use the word fun there because I think that that's part of the attitude that it takes, you know, the attitude to go, right, this is, this is where I want to go and there's going to be stumbles and failures and I'm going to fall on my face a number of times. That's part of the game and I've just got to love the game. Like otherwise I need to get out because it, this is not the place for me if I can't learn in some way to love the game. Yeah, I agree. Let's just dig down into that grit piece because I know it wasn't very long before you got sued, hmm. which is always a, an amazing way to start your your business journey with a lawsuit. Yep. <laughs> talk to me. Talk to me about that. When did that happen? Yeah. So um, around the time that I was pitching Richard Branson, uh, so the first four months of starting Founder, I I got a. Um, a really weird email from from a, a lawyer in Austin, Texas, and uh, you know my, how I used to start my day because I was still working at my day job at the time. Um, I'd get up early and I check my emails, like the uh, founder emails, and uh, I got this email saying like attention or urgent. That was the subject line, and the person was saying, "Hey, I'm." So-and-so from Dallas State, Texas, uh, if you didn't know you're being sued by this company, um, I used to, I know the judge really well, uh, we need to move fast um, because you're to appear in court on this date and I can do this, this and that. Would you just delete a spam? I think I would have just... Yeah, yeah. So I thought, I was like, I, I wasn't sure if it was spam or what was going on. And it took me a couple of days to actually work out if it was legitimate or not. Um, but I, I realized it was legitimate about a few days later, I got a, a FedEx package in the mail with, you know, this thick worth of documents saying you're to appear in Dallas, Texas and all this kind of stuff. And then also the lawyers that were representing the company that sued us, uh, they contacted me personally as well. And so founder wasn't called founder back then, it was called something else. And I ended up having to change the name. Did you end up going to, to Dallas to appear? No, no, because- I was gonna because, say, cause that would not have been in your budget. No, no, not at all. I couldn't afford it. Uh, and I remember speaking to one of my mentors at the time, I still speak to you every now and then, and uh, I remember saying to him, like, oh, I'm really, really stressed out. I'm, I'm really freaking out. Like, and he's like, well, what, what are you freaking out about? And I was like, oh, well, like they'll take all my money and I'll, I'll go bankrupt. And he's like, but do you have much money? I said, no. And he said, well, what are you worried about? <laughs> and I was like, You're yeah, like, I suppose. <laughs> but it's not a nice feeling. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it was for trademark infringement. And so we just changed the name and it was all good. Um, I just want to talk about Instagram and I want to ask you many questions about Instagram, but Instagram is where I first kind of came across you and, and the work of founder. And, you know, I remember I was talking to a lot of CEOs at the time about trying to figure out, they were trying to figure out social media and they were trying to figure out, um, how to influence on different platforms. And I would always point them in the direction of founders Instagram 
page because I just thought and I, that you guys did it so incredibly well from the visuals to the strategy behind it to how you were spreading the word. Um, where did you where did you first come across Instagram and what were some of the things that you tried in the beginning? Because it just felt like your growth was like stratospheric on that platform. Yeah, so um, I'm really passionate about marketing. Uh, that, that's, that's what I really enjoy. Um, uh, and when I first went full time on Founder, like anything, you, you've got a product or a service with somewhat of traction. You know, you've got customers, clients, and if you want to drive more customers or clients, you have to work out what channel is going to help you do that. Um, now, there's many different channels, right? There's word of mouth, there's referral, there's blogging, like digital channels, podcasting, paid advertising, all different paid ad platforms. There's many different ways you could do email marketing, all these different things. Um, and I tried a lot. I tried a lot to grow the magazine. Um, but the one that really stuck was Instagram. Now, I didn't, I never thought it would either. Um, this was early days Instagram and Instagram is still a super powerful platform if you want to, to grow an online business. And, uh, you know, I, I helped uh, my partner do the same with her online business using Instagram as well a couple of years ago. So it's still super powerful no matter what anyone says. Um, and uh, effectively, I had a friend that um, he was doing smoothie, the, the ingredients for, for a smoothie, um, and uh, basically he was selling it all through Instagram and uh, it was doing quite well. And uh, yeah, he said to me, oh, you know, um, I'm getting a lot of traction on Instagram. I don't think it'll work for you guys though. It only works for physical products. I was like, oh, we've got a digital magazine. I said, we've got a digital magazine. They're like, what's different? And he's like, well, this is what I do. Uh, and I started to, to kind of pick his brain and um, he really kind of broke down a bit of a blueprint for me. And uh, I never forget, I it was really cool. I um, couldn't afford to hire anybody at the time. So I was uh, used this platform. It doesn't exist anymore called 99 interns. And I said, I'll, I'll get an intern in to help me. And uh, I said, oh, before I, before I get an intern, I'll, I'll pull up our Instagram account and just use some of these strategies and then see what's happening. And um, I, I, I did some of the things that he talked about. And then I woke up the next day and I saw my Google Analytics spike up. And I was like, oh, and it said referral traffic source Instagram. I was like, oh, there's something here. And then I went down this kind of rabbit hole of, of uh, kind of really understanding the platform and its nuances and, and used it as a really strong channel for a very long time to grow the founder brand. Um, and that end actually ended up becoming how we got into online courses because, and then the vision of what we're building now with our online course platform is so large, right? And what we're trying to build, like it's next level. And how that came about was, I wrote a blog post on the founder website and it was um, basically detailing somewhat of the Instagram strategy and it was, and it was, I remember the title was from zero to 10,000 followers in two weeks. 
how, like how to go, how to grow your Instagram for your business, how to grow an Instagram account for your business from zero to 10,000 followers in two weeks, full like breakdown. And that post went semi-viral and all these people started writing comments at the bottom of it and people started reaching out to me. And people were saying, oh, hey, like, do you do consulting? Um, or can you do this for me? Do you offer this as a service? And I was like, I just want to grow founder. So then people were like, oh, well, do you have a course? Can you teach this? And so that was the first ever course that we taught on the founder platform, which was in turn, the, it ended up becoming called Instagram Domination. Still exists today. We've, I've, I've re, we've reshot that and remastered it like seven different times. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. So then um, Instagram's been an incredible platform for us to really grow and build awareness of the brand. And it's gone through a journey, right? There's still areas of development for us where we're kind of slowly tweaking, slowly doing all sorts of things and we're on all the different platforms, but Instagram's still our strongest channel. I remember hearing you say that when you first started on Instagram, you, and I wrote that down, you battle tested the crap out of it, which, you know, out of, so you got that original plan that was given to you by your housemate and then you battle tested the crap out of it. And then you ended up building the course and and many iterations since then. Are you, I mean, obviously, I don't want to get you to go through the entire course. For anyone that's interested in the course, we'll put the links. We might even see if we can find a link to that original article. I don't know if it still exists. Please, please go, please check it out. We'll put it in the show notes. But for anyone who's just looking for one thing, you know, like what's a one thing that I can just put into practice tomorrow or today? that's going to make a difference? Is there one tool or tactics where you're like, you know what, if you do nothing else, this is the one? Yeah, so look, it's probably two things that would really help people. One, it's all about consistency. Um, you have to train Instagram's algorithm to uh, basically know that you're, you're, you're continually producing content so then it'll more, most, more likely serve it to your followers. So, that, so consistency is everything. So try and post at least once a day consistently. And then the second thing I could share with you is make sure that you study other accounts in your niche or, or that are similar to yours and look at what content is working, right? Like it's so critical that you learn from others and what is working right? It's so critical that you learn from others on what is working. And that's no dissimilar to, to approaching anything in business. And that's what we're really passionate about at Founder, right? Like, how do we find people that are doing something that you want to achieve and then get them to teach on our platform? Um, so it's no dissimilar with this Instagram strategy. Look at what other people are doing that's working and how can you replicate that? You will slowly work out what resonates with your audience and what resonates with how you amplify that content and then it compounds over time. That was one of the things that I really noticed about what you were doing. And I don't I hadn't seen it before when I when I first kind of came across it, which was every single thing that you were putting out, be it a quote, like a lot of your um your posts, you know, they're they're, I say content heavy, but they're learning pieces, you know, they're, they're quotes or they're tools. And you always say in the copy, which sounds so simple, but I rarely see it. You always say, you know, tag someone who needs to hear this today. 
tag someone who's at this stage in their journey and looking for some, you know, looking for a step forward. You're, you've always got amplification first and foremost in your mind. Has that been a major key or one of the keys to growing what you've built? Uh, the way that we've kind of always thought about content is how can we leverage it as much as possible? And that's how we've been able to grow founder. So like this interview, for example, uh, we could turn it into an article for inside the magazine. We could turn it into a blog post. We could make it a live workshop in our um, uh, course platform because, you know, we're, we're just about to launch our, our founder plus membership model. We could make it a live, we could make it a live workshop at the same time and it's exclusive to our members. And then we might repurpose certain pieces of it onto our social media channels. Um, we could turn it into an email. We could turn it, I think I said a blog post. We could turn it into a podcast or many different podcasts. We could take the video or snippets of the video and turn that into different social pieces of content, but then also put it on YouTube. Um, and so just really this idea of kind of replicating that content and, and really stretching it as much as possible has really been able to help us grow. And so that's how we think about things with with uh, the content we produce on Instagram. Now, like, um, yes, there are a lot of quotes and all sorts of things. The reason we post those quotes is because they spread and, and they get a lot, a lot of traction. Um, but as time goes on, we'll slowly move away from that. And, uh, you know, we, we want to look to source quotes from within, and we are within interviews and within instructors in our course platform. And, and then off we kind of go. Mm. That's that's exactly what I try to do with this podcast. It's how many different ways can we use this content, split it up, put it out in different formats. So not only does is it a smart use of time and resources, but it it's also crazy to think that this one, you know, this one incredible conversation, if you put it out once, that everybody's gonna come across it, everyone's gonna find it. Like you need to put it out a multitude of different ways for people to be able to have the most access to it. Yeah, and I think if you really step back outside of it as well, it's it allows you to help people in more ways, right? It just it allows us to help reach as many people as possible, to help more people, and uh, that's that's what we're really really focused on and passionate about right now. I just wanted to flip to you as the as the founder of Founder, and when I was going through and I was reading different interviews that you had done and. It really occurred to me, and it's funny, you said it at the beginning of this conversation, that you had essentially built yourself the most world-class business education on the planet. What's, what interview or, or lesson has, has been the biggest game changer for you? Ooh, that's a tricky one. A tough one. <laughs> There's uh, a lot of people that I've spoken to, insights I've drawn. I'll give you a recent one. I did an interview last week uh, with a person that, that uh, co-founded a company called uh, Future. His name's Rishi. Um, and what he shared with me was around how he's built one of the fastest growing basically personal training apps in the world. And uh, an incredible lesson that he shared with me, which I tried to, you know, kind of, he's a product guy. 
And so he knows a lot about product development. He's based out of Silicon Valley. He's worked at a lot of successful companies before uh, starting Future and started a lot of successful companies. And the way that he described the product and how they're iterating, iterating it so fast and just how awesome it sounds uh like you, you for like i think it's a i think it's a hundred or two hundred dollars a month you can get a personal trainer and it's like you can check in with them every single day you can talk to them and they set up your meal plans your training schedule to start the week it's, it's next level it sounds like an incredible product and like you know case in point i'm talking to you about it now and so i think what i took away from that last week was that your job as a as a founder of your company is to build the very best product that you can in the world of whatever it is that you're doing and if you can if you can build a product so good so world class that like right now i'm naturally just referring it then then half the half the battle is won and it, it it, it's so it makes life so much easier you've just got this draw where i think sometimes and, and and you have to you have to understand that it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight as well and you have to be open and honest and comfortable with yourself that it takes time right like it, it really does take time to build a world-class product to build something of true worth and significance whatever you're building right and and so yeah what i drew from my conversation with Grishi was just around like, if you want to build an incredible company, if you want to build a, a life-changing product or service, really focus on doubling down on the product. I, I read that you had interviewed the co-founder of Reddit, Steve Huffman, and you said you've created a website that's among the most visited in the world. Is it ever enough? Do you ever say I've made it? And he said, no, it's never enough. And you you asked the same question of the Airbnb founder um, who told you the same. Has Hearing that answer, no, it's never enough, changed how you approach building founder? It's definitely a relief. Because <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we put I'm so much alone. pressure. <laughs> yeah, if, I think we put so much pressure on ourself, uh, ourselves as, as, as CEOs or founders or when you create this company and it's so easy to look at other people and, and compare yourself to other people and, and also play that game, right, where it's like, once I do this, I'll get to this. Or once I do that, I'll get to, uh, it, everything's going to be amazing. Um, so when you look at, you know, Steve Huffman as an example, co-founder of Reddit, you know, it's, I think it's in the top 10 or 20 most visited sites in the world. Like it's massive. It's, it's an incredible movement, what they've created, that community. Um, like to, to, to hear that it, it is never enough and, and, and achieving those kinds of heights, like, it, it makes you realize that uh, the journey is the reward. I heard you say, I think it was at the beginning of 2021, that you that you had experienced or were experiencing burnout during that period of time for the, and you said for the first time ever in your journey, you were experiencing that. Um, and I think that that's a very familiar situation to many at the moment. Either people have been trying to rescue a business, pivot a business or a career, or if you're in the online retail space, just keep up with what's been going on what firstly how did you recognize that that's where you were at and then what did you change yeah so um i realized that i 
I experienced burnout early 2021 because um, I started waking up in the middle of the night, my heart beating really fast and thinking about work. And I'd never experienced that before. I used to be able to work all hours in the night and just crash and, uh, and then wake up early and go again. Um, but something happened maybe with, with uh, perhaps being uh, with, with lockdowns and, and COVID and all sorts of things. Something happened where um, I, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Well, not, not that I couldn't do it anymore, but I couldn't operate at, at the pace because I'm still operating at the pace I am now, um, but something had changed where I, I just couldn't take on that load. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I realized something wasn't right. Um, also the way that I was feeling, I felt this kind of really flat, feeling really flat for at least, you know, a continuous kind of week. And I was like, hey, there's something not right here. And and then I realized that um, I was burnt out. Uh, and yeah, what, what are the things that I did? I, I went on a journey of kind of self-care um, in a massive way. I realized that um, the, you know, the, the pace that I was operating at and the, th the amount that I was taking on just wasn't sustainable. Um, so I did many things. Uh, I got a really uh, experienced executive assistant who's now going to become my chief of staff, which is exciting. Um, so I, I had someone that could help help me manage my day and, and share the load of all the different things I was doing. Um, I also uh, started a regular practice of meditation again. I've kind of dropped off at the moment, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, when I can, I, I definitely make sure I meditate every single morning. Um, I got into float tanks. I thought that was um, really, really helpful. Float uh, the uh, flotation devices. Um, I, I found that just a really great way to kind of step outside. I still to this day do a lot of walking. I find walking's really helpful just to get fresh air. It's it's hard during a Melbourne winter, but when I can, I'm always walking. Um, uh, and then I also just was very conscious of when I was pushing myself too much. I think I don't want to ever go back to where I was because I was not good to anybody, right? And that's what I realized. I think. Um, you can feel so much guilt if you're not working super, super hard and all these other things. But I, I've kind of realized that like, I have to look after my health and my health is number one, otherwise I'm not good to anyone. And uh, yeah, that, yeah, I went, I went on a pretty deep journey, Julie, but it's, uh, it was, it's been awesome. And um, I'm thankful that it happened in a way that it did because it's really allowed me to I guess, uh, build a better life for myself. Like uh, the way that I was operating wasn't sustainable and it wasn't healthy. And I'm glad that it, I, it caught me when it did because nothing serious happened to me and I uh, worked through it and I'm in a much better place now. And I found when I've been in those places probably only a couple of times in my life and they're pretty scary when you're there, especially when you're responsible for a business and a lot of people or a family. Um, 
I know in myself that the decisions that I make when I'm in that headspace, at one level or another, those decisions come from a place of fear, just a, oh my God, let's just get it done. Let's just tick the box. And those decisions rarely, if ever, build anything that is sustainable. And I've learned to kind of catch, catch it now early and recenter and come back where I can make a better quality of decision. What what are your catches? What are your tells? How do you know when you're entering into that place? Um, if I have like eight to ten meetings back to back Monday to Friday, I can do it, um, but not week after week after week after week after week. That becomes months. So I I really try and make sure I have time to to have a bit of a break, um, and I also make sure that if I am doing that, I'm doing walk and talks, I'm just kind of letting it breathe. Another thing I did as well, I started delegating more. And <laughs> so, that is a magical <laughs> word and it's never been a word that I've been particularly good at. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's your own development as a leader, right? Um, I think in your early days, you want to hold on to everything and, and do it, but I, I just started delegating more and and uh, making others accountable and, and, you know, putting out a leadership team, all these different things where I've, I've got some really experienced, incredibly capable people that, that know how to scale businesses way better than I do um, to, to, to run certain areas of founder. Um, so I think that's been really helpful as well, if I'm being honest. Uh, I'm just not taking on as much. Um, and I'm, and I'm trying to get in my strength zone on, on what drives me and gives me energy. The things that give me energy is doing interviews, um, now also being the face of the brand, talking about our vision, mission, and, and what we're building and, and, you know, our new membership founder plus, which is, you know, an all access membership pass. Like I'm really passionate about that, working with the team on, on, on creating that product. So product development, as I said, I, I enjoy marketing as well. Um, so, so I, I try where I can, like, like any, any role in any business, whether you're the CEO, owner, founder, whatnot, there's things you don't enjoy and there's still things that I do that I don't enjoy, but I've tried to be quite um, purpose-driven purpose, purpose driven around my day and, and, and um, being a bit more thoughtful around what my day looks like. Um, also, another thing I do is, is I used to work every Saturday and Sunday. I tend to only now, I always make Saturdays free and if I have to, I work on Saturday, but not all, not often. And then on Sundays, on Sunday night, I'll prepare for my for for my week ahead, and I'll do a bit of work. But otherwise, yeah, um, I, f I found yeah, the, the, there are certain tells that that tells me that I'm getting close when I'm when I have a long day, and yeah, I'm just like nah, 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 it's not like yeah, I, I just know uh, you just know I somehow I just know when I'm pushing myself too much. Mm. Okay, well, one of my very last questions. Um, I know that you have said that you think Founder could have grown 10 times faster if you knew what you know now. What are some of the core things that you would do differently if you began today? I would have spent more time on the people side. You know, we talk, uh, that's something that's really, really important to me right now. Like how do we just continue to have incredible people uh, on the bus and, and, and keep welcoming more people to, to the business and and also developing our leaders. Uh, I wish I spent more time doubling down on our people. Um, 
would have focused more on product. I think, yeah, we talk about product. Uh, I, 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 you know, we're, we're on a great journey now with product, but I would have uh, doubled down on that earlier. Uh, th- those are a few. Mm. And I think also when you start anything, you know, you've, you've kind of almost got to have the experience of how hard it is to drive a bus where it needs to go with the wrong people on it before you realize the importance of having the right people on the bus or having any people in the bus at all that you can't drive the bus by yourself. Yeah. And it's not that like, there's been a lot of wrong people. It's more that there's, I've realized that there's certain, certain skills, talent and experiences for certain stages of the journey. And I didn't unfortunately recognize that because I've never done this before. I think that's really important. So yeah, like there's been some incredible people that have come and gone within Founder and, and the business wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for them. And I, I'm forever grateful um, for how they've shaped Founder what it is today because it's not really me, right? I'm just the spokesperson now. Like f- f- Founder, where it is now and where it will continue to go is off the strength of, of the incredible people working behind the scenes that you don't, you know, I'm just a spokesperson. So um I guess understanding that, I think that that leadership journey has is, is been really important. Hmm. Well, Nathan, I'm just going to finish with one final question, and that is if there's anybody sat out there right now who's had the moment where they've realized that they want to do something that their life could, they could have more influence in a particular space that they're really passionate about, what's the one thing that they should they should start with? Obviously by their founder all access pass, um, but something else that they can put in action tomorrow. So I would say it's so critical that wherever you're at, wherever you're at in your business journey, whether you want to start a business, grow a business, wherever you're at, try and learn from other people that have already done it. Or even if you don't know, even if you don't know if what they're doing, you want to do, like try and, understand what their life looks like what it is they're doing what's working for them and i think that is so critical like everything that you want to do in life has probably been done most likely by somebody else and it's your job to go out and find them and learn from them and 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 to speak to them if you can or or to study them and and to model them and and to to get their insights, experiences, lessons learned, right? Um, and I think that's the best way to to get started or, or, or to make a change wherever you are in your life. It's just to learn from other people that have already done it. Um, and that's something that it's, it's a core ethos within Founder, right? Well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you've learned on the journey and from all the incredible people that are, are still involved in Founder now. I, definitely please jump on. There is... Like I said, it's probably one of the best MBAs on the planet right now, I would say. So, Nathan, thank you for your time. You're welcome, Julie. Also, um, we have something awesome for your listeners, if I can uh, share. Yes, please. For any of your listeners that are listening right now, you can uh, go and sign up for a free subscription to Founder Magazine, all previous issues and all future issues. It's a monthly magazine, digital magazine. Uh, with some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, you can just go to founder.com forward slash membership. And that's just for you guys. Thank you. All right, founder.com forward slash membership. Thank you so much, Nathan. That's incredible. You're welcome. 
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have seized hold of at least one tool, idea, or mindset that will help you start raising your own level of influence. Now, for those of you who want to take the next step in your journey or would just love a roadmap to becoming the most influential voice, idea, or brand in your space, then I have good news. You can now download the latest updated version of my ebook, The Influencer Code, from my website, juliemasters.com. Also, there's a link in the show notes. Just pop in your email address, and I promise I will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of ideas, tools, and case studies that I have come across in my now 20-plus years of doing this work, not to mention the seven areas and seven core questions that I have found to be hands-down the most valuable when it comes to immediately lifting your ability to make an impact. Download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope it makes a massive difference in both your career and your business. Thank you always to my co-founder and the main brain behind this podcast, Lauren Kelly. You kick my butt in all the right ways. Thank you for making it happen. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode.